bearded bastards, and welcome back to Dwarf Fortress Roundtable. <laughs> I'm Jonathan. And I'm Roland. And I'm known as Krug Smash, although my actual name is Adam. And we are very happy to have Adam here with us today to talk about Dwarf Fortress on Dwarf Fortress Roundtable, the podcast for all things dwarfy. Adam, you <laughs> are known for doing the Krug Smash video series on YouTube. Right now, your series is Honeystoker, correct? You got it. Yep. Stitarguskash, Fortress of Vampire Dwarves and Beekeepers. I think that yours was one of the first videos that I watched on YouTube whenever I was learning Dwarf Fortress. I've only been playing for about a year, and yours was one of the tutorials that I used to help me get started. And I've been watching your videos from the start. Uh, well, not from the start. I, what, I did watch your videos from the start, and I... <laughs> I think I commented last time, you can hear the progression of your online persona from the beginning, very beginning, your first videos to your rich content now. And it's just great <laughs> to hear. A progression. That's a, that's a nice way to put it. <laughs> they were damn rough back in the day. <laughs> Certainly. So how did you discover Dwarf Fortress? Well, let's see. The earliest evidence I've seen that I've been playing it. I think I've been playing it since 2011. And my brother told me about it. He told me about some game where you play as a fortress of dwarves and you can tell them to do whatever you want. And, you know, I was kind of meh. At the time, I was more into like orcs and goblins, that sort of stuff. Dwarves kind of bore me. But then, then he went on and told me that um, you could have silly things happen, like a dwarven mother could have her baby stuck in a, a beer keg, say, which I don't think it actually happened in that game. But he told me that and it perked my ears up. So I went and I played it, and it did not do it for me. I put it down <laughs> for probably a year or so. Then I was like, you know what? I'll take a step at that game again, and I've been playing it ever since. I think that might be a common theme. At least, at least it was for me. I mm, also yeah, tried yeah. playing it. I didn't get it. I put it down for a couple months, and then a friend of mine recommended that I try it again. And the second time I went in, uh, I was I was hooked. Yeah, I've heard a lot of that. Definitely. Um, it, it's I mean, of course it's difficult to get on the first try definitely yeah it happened to me too um, I took it uh, up in three years ago four years ago whatever and the first thing wh when I went into I was like what is even going on and I don't know I spent 10 minutes just looking at shrubs I think <laughs> and, and, like what is even this map and <laughs> Bound to happen. Died, yeah. I wasn't hooked yet, but uh, later on, I actually found out that I could build walls, and then it clicked with me, and uh, I, I built stuff ever since. Yeah, yeah, that certainly will happen. I didn't have so much trouble with the um, actual look of the game at the start. I used to play ASCII games from when I was very, very little, so almost immediately upon jumping in, I saw like grass, trees, dwarves. Okay, that's what that all is. It was mostly the UI I had trouble with. Roland, you said that the user interface at first gave you pause. Do you use a tile set or do you use the straight vanilla Dwarf Fortress? I use kind of both, actually. Um, for my main play game, I use uh, Lazy Noob. I do have the vanilla game somewhere lying around because I, I'm trying raw editing and uh, there's some 
I don't want it in my main game, you know. I I have extra worlds, I have an extra game folder, and I just do stuff in that. And there are some three-eyed ravens I edited, and three -eyed I don't know. Some, yeah, like uh, from Game of Thrones, you know. Um, oh. They do might be made of steel for reasons... And there is some other creature, I don't remember how I called it. It's just as big as a dwarf, but in, it can breathe fire, and it tends to spawn in the embark. That sounds terrible. Yeah, it absolutely is terrible. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta know that Roland likes playing in evil biomes too, so... Mm, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but Roland, yeah. do you use a graphics aftermarket if you will graphics set or do you use the stock tour fortress tile set whenever you're playing in my raw editing game i just use the normal stuff in the lazy new pack i use some tile set but i i'm not sure which i actually use but i use one yes i use phoebus uh most of the time i, I will try some of the other ones and i've just settled on enjoying phoebus so, Adam, is the tile set that you use in your videos Stock Dwarf Fortress, or is that a, a custom set that you've built? Uh, I made it. I made the whole thing. That's awesome. Yeah, it, it took a little bit of doing. I had worked on it for a while, and I was started using it in my videos there, and it's kind of funny. Everybody hated it at first. Like, <laughs> it was unanimous. If somebody had a problem with my videos, it was the damn tile set. And then that kind of faded away. And now more than anything, I hear that people like it. And I see people wanting to use it, which that's great, I guess. <laughs> One of the reasons that I that I started off and I'm continuing to use the uh, the Phoebus tile set is that it has more of a 8-bit sensibility to it, mm -hmm. if, if, you, if you will. Yeah. But I also know that while I'm watching your videos, that your tile set leads to helping picture things in your mind because it's much more abstract. And yeah, yeah, that's something I really like with Dwarf Fortress, definitely. I like the abstraction. Makes you think. Okay, so yeah, I noticed on your webpage, crunchsmash.com, that it looks like your art preceded your Dwarf Fortress playing, is that correct? Somewhat. You know, I've been drawing since I was very young. You know, you get into high school and your 20s and stuff and you don't really do it so much um, i would do it from time to time but i really didn't have much motivation to and then i started doing my dwarf fortress videos and i thought hey wouldn't it be cool if i started doing some pictures it started out i think it was in my steel clutches series in one episode i did like three pictures at the very start of the episode and then i thought you know maybe i could sprinkle these throughout the episode and just kind of evolved from there but it's, it's a great motivation, you know, having a video series and being forced to draw the pictures. It's good. I need that motivation to draw, I guess. And it's really helped me. You put out your episodes pretty much. Uh, it's a lot clockwork weekly, it seems. It's obvious that your actual session probably lasts two or three times as long as you're, as you're editing down for the episode. Plus, you come back and you have a really slick sounding audio to it. You have the zooms, the pan and scans, and you somehow have time to draw, what, seven, eight, nine artistic works that look great oh, thank for you. each episode. What universe do you live in such that you have 42 hours in a day? I don't know. I honestly am still trying to figure it out myself. I am doing these videos full time now, so it is my job. But before that, I did Monster Killer. And while I was doing that, I, you know, I worked an actual job as well. I mean, it, it was 
It was god awful. It was really bad. I had no time to do anything else. I kind of realized that if I want this to be a thing, this is what I have to do. So, I mean, for, I don't know how long that took. It was ended up being like 30 episodes or something like that. I'm trying to think, what, six, seven months, something like that? The entire time, I had no free time whatsoever. <laughs> but, yeah, it worked out, I guess. And still, I mean, the episodes, I, I'm working a 60-hour work week, probably. I'm trying to figure it out, but it's something like that. Yeah. Love the... Works out. But the faces of the that you've given the dwarves the uh the the personas and their their expressions and I, I was trying to think of what the what's the name of the i guess she's the baroness of your fortress the one that just you kicked out of the uh the temple so that she'd stop praying for a year mm-hmm. at here of course at here yeah <laughs> she is so cute <laughs> little, little she's pretty cute dwarf yeah i'm curious to see where she goes i mean you can never tell, you know, she might end up doing something amazing, unlikely, or she could end up getting crushed by a tree. <laughs> so, yeah, you don't have, uh, and I want to get back to this here in a little bit, because I want to talk about Moses and, and the, and the, the lead up to, uh, to Honey Stoker. It, it appears as though you don't know what's going to happen whenever you sit down and start recording a video. I mean, really when I'm playing, it's just a let's play. I just edit the crap out of it and add some pictures and music and all that stuff in. But that's kind of scripted in a way, I suppose. Every sentence by itself is scripted as I sit there. But it is all pretty much reactions to what's going on. I mean, you can't even script Wolf Fortress at all. No, certainly not. Lord, no. That's when the game really shines, honestly. is kind of just going with the flow. You know, that sort of thing is the freaking genius of, of this game. It's great. It's not, it's not like Tarn Adams planned on having those particular things, I don't think. Those sort of things seem to just be emergent gameplay. That is definitely really neat. Yeah, definitely. There's so, so many thousands upon th- thousands of elements and different things that can come together in different ways. I mean, it's all essentially the same every time you play it. There's dwarves, there's goblins, there's elves, forgotten beasts, titans. But it's just the interactions between them, the history that they make. You never know what to expect. It's crazy. So I did notice that you have like 35,000 plus YouTube subscribers. And yeah. for a obscure niche game like Dwarf Fortress that people think of as having a small community, difficult to play and all that, that many followers is just amazing. It's insane. It really, it really is. I never thought I'd have this many subscribers ever. Was the ramp up slow? Oh, incredibly slow. Definitely. I made my first steel clutches or it was called evil Kings episode in June of 2016. And up till this past October, this past October, I had 17,000 subscribers. So since then, I've gotten all the rest of them. It's been, it's snowballing, definitely. It's just taken a long time to get to this point. Do you attribute that to to Honey Stoker? Have you done anything different in marketing yourself? No, I I don't market at all. It's just all people putting my stuff up on Reddit or other places too. I think that I discovered you simply through a YouTube search. I think there's a lot of that too. Tutorials. Yeah. Um, a lot of my, the people who watch from what I understand, if I'm reading the comments correctly, they don't even play Dwarf Fortress. They have no interest in playing, but they like watching my videos, which is great. 
That's one yeah, of my yeah. goals. I, I wanted to get Dwarf Fortress out there to people who don't know about it because I really think that it can appeal to a much greater audience than it currently does, you know? Yeah, especially with your pictures you draw. Um, people actually see what the in the game is happening. Even even those that cannot actually like do anything with ASCII can now see what is happening. And especially your colorful drawings are really nice to look at. Well, thank you very much. Yeah, yeah, I figured it would help a little bit. You know, if you see a capital G wandering around in the caverns underground. It doesn't look like much, but if you see a picture of a towering goose with a trunk and patchy feathers, then, eh, you know, it's a little bit more interesting, something with your mind to play with. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Was there anybody else who inspired you to start doing the Let's Plays? Um, not really, no. Actually, this, this might sound a little petty, I guess, but, you know, I was playing Dwarf Fortress when I started making these videos, and... One of my incentives was because there were so many videos out there that I didn't really care to watch. I wanted to make a video that I wanted to watch, I guess. You know, edit it up and make it a little quicker, that sort of stuff. All the big names in Dwarf Fortress Let's Plays back in the day, which, you know, they weren't technically very big at all. Um, there was no editing. It was just them playing the game. So there'd be long, long pauses, a lot of little finicky things, which, I mean, I... I'm in love with Dwarf Fortress, and I know it's more appealing than that. <laughs> well, yeah, there's so much time that you spend watching your dwarves dig out bedrooms. Yeah, absolutely. But, uh, but that's probably not the most compelling video to watch. Uh, no, no. Especially definitely. when you're not driving the action. Yeah, there has to be editing in order to make watching someone play Dwarf Fortress interesting. There has to be a whole bunch of editing. Well, yeah, yeah, I mean, just just imagine someone is doing like 200 bedrooms, then uh, they have to be uh, dug out, then beds have to be placed in them, and then he needs to assign every single bedroom, like, ah, yeah. it's an hour. Oh, Ooh. definitely, definitely. When I'm recording, I'm often amazed by, because you, when you watch one of my videos, I'm constantly talking. It's a constant flow of speech. But when I'm playing, it's like, Okay, dwarves, there's another forgotten beast down in the caverns. And then it's just me sitting there staring at the screen for 45 minutes. <laughs> like, oh, here it comes up through the, the tunnels underneath the fortress. Silence, silence, wiping my nose, getting a drink. <laughs> you know, it's all got to be edited out or else it's, you know. Yeah, the finicky stuff, yeah. That being said, there are a lot of fantastic Dwarf Fortress streamers out there, but... I'm not able to do that. I can't talk like that. I mean, it's just not a gift I'm given. <laughs> I'm, I'm better at editing and drawing and that sort of stuff, I guess. Yeah, me neither. I have too much NPC energy for that. <laughs> I'm cutting in here to let you know that there are some minor and major spoilers coming up in this next section. If you have not yet watched the Honeystoker series or the prelude to Honeystoker series on Krug Smash's channel, you may want to skip the rest of this episode and come back and listen again after you've caught up on Adam's current playlist. We will be coming back next time with part two of our roundtable with Adam, in which we talk about Forgotten Beasts, Dwarf Fortress coming to Steam and Itch, and the state of our fortresses. So if you've not watched Honeystoker up to the current point, 
I highly recommend that you stop now and come back afterward. We'll still be here. Otherwise, continue on and enjoy the rest of this episode. Well, Roland, have you got any other interviewee type questions that you'd like to like to ask Adam? Um, well, for example, I'm not sure how bees actually work in WordPress. Um, I'm, I'm really trying my best to make meat because I do like meat in real life. Um, so I always try to like have hives, have bees and set up stuff, but it doesn't work really good. It's, it's super finicky and uh, ooh, not, not my thing to do in Dwarf Fortress. I, I try to, but I don't get it. Uh, so why would you actually go and set up a fort based around uh, beekeeping? Well, <laughs> it's all part of that whole uh, fluid flow that I was talking about earlier that led to the current series. Um, okay, so after I did my tutorial, uh, when I first started going full-time here, I started Waterkeeper, and that was intended to be a short fortress, right, wherein we kind of explore aquifers and see what we can do with them. Love that. Relax. What's that? I love that, by the way, the water. Oh, yeah. That was, that was, that was really neat. Yeah. yeah. It, was, it was, it was a fun little experiment, experiment, definitely. Um, and it was intended to be a short fort, just a little enclosed experience, you know, <laughs> like monster killer. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, and so I did the three episodes of that. Then I figured, you know, because a lot of people had suggested to me that if I do those short fortresses, they keep them in the same world. So, you know, I had that in my mind as I went on from there. Let's see, what did I do after? It was after Waterkeeper. We were approaching Halloween, and I wanted to do a special Halloween episode. At the end of Waterkeeper, we had that vampire show up, which I had in the back of my mind. They're kind of not the most common thing in Dwarf Fortress, for me anyways. I get more were beasts than anything. So we had that vampire. And I figured, you know, if I want to do another short fortress where we could have a vampire fortress, that I could do it in the same world and have easy access to a vampire. We were approaching Halloween at that point, so I wanted to do a Halloween Dwarf Fortress episode and started Dark Mine. And that was, again, supposed to be a short fort in which we discover if we could actually make a vampire fortress. So I started that in an evil biome, and it had those evil clouds there which showed up and turned all my dwarves into psychotic zombie warriors and killed each other. Bound to happen, I suppose. Anyways, that fortress was supposed to be a vampire fortress filled with evil cultists, but it also had a bunch of those animal man adventurers in there. There was like moose people and goat people and rat people and wild boar people. And since there were adventurers, after the fortress fell, I was able to take control of the last one that was there, which happened to be Moses from Honey Stoker. <laughs> and I figured, okay, as I said, it takes me 60 hours to do these episodes sometimes. And the fortress had fallen halfway through the episode. And I'm like, how am I going to cobble this into an episode? <laughs> I'll just take this wild boar man and head out in the world and do something, I guess. I don't know. So Maybe at I that could... point, you changed to, uh, to adventure mode, right? Yep. And I uh, just kind of wandered around. And I'm thinking like, Okay, I'm going to go gear up and maybe I can still make a vampire fortress, I suppose. And that's kind of what led to Honey Stoker eventually. Um, he met Ak, and then the two of them went on little adventures one, and decided that they needed more money because they were 
poor as hell. And so this was this isn't a part of the game. This is my own decision making here. I thought they would fund a fortress. That's not a game mechanic or anything like that. But I could retire them somewhere and then start a new fortress. And on my Patreon, I had a poll to see what people wanted the fortress's industry to be. And it was decided that it would be a beekeeping fortress. As silly as that is, that's what people wanted. So that's what we did. I figured that made sense, too, because the wild boar man and a goblin are exactly the most intelligent folk out there. Moses didn't know how to read, so <laughs> he's probably just like, I don't know, bees? Well, honey, sure, why not? <laughs> <laughs> so that's how that fortress started, just as a little money-making scheme from the scumbag wild boar man and a nasty spy goblin. And, um, oh. and yeah, that's why it was a beekeeper fortress, I guess. <laughs> Hmm, I see. Yeah, that's so, how it led there. You speak of uh, speak of Moses as a scumbag wild boar man. Uh, from the point where he first survived the fall of Darkmine, in my head, he was a benevolent character. He was mm-hmm. he was a very sympathetic figure. I, right, I you know, I say he's a scumbag, but like, I think it's because most people say he's a scumbag. I never actually decided what his motivations are. In his mind, it said that he was um, seeks to better his own position or something like that. And so but really, that's all he was trying to do, I guess. If he had survived longer, we could explore that more, but he's gone now. So we're left to wondering what he would have eventually done. Cut short in the prime of life. Yeah. <laughs> Damn shame. Ooh. So, yeah, it's also a shame that, uh, that the bees went away fairly early in the, uh, the storyline. <laughs> Yeah, fairly. I mean, they, they've been there the entire time. They just haven't been a focus. Oh, I guess are the... Now, you dug out a pit, mm-hmm. right? Is that what turned into the swimming pool? Yes. Okay, so you dug out the pit. You put the, uh, the, the beehives in the center of it. Mm-hmm. And you had, uh, you had one of your dwarves was a beekeeper for a while. Yep. Yeah, we still so have that, a beekeeper. Is still alive? Uh, yes, Zothan was her name. She was the one beekeeper for a while and then became a messenger, but we do have other keepers now. Yeah. Yep. And they were still there. The pit got turned into a swimming pool and that's how I learned that bees can survive absolutely fine underwater. <laughs> Doesn't make a lot of sense to me, I, I suppose, but... Hey, could you, say, could you say underwater again? Underwater? Why... Thanks. Well, you cut out at the end of that, and I'm going to paste that into... into oh, here, the, I'll help you out. Underwater. 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 <laughs> Great, now I have to make choices. <laughs> Which one's the best? <laughs> Feel my pain. I'm going to sit in a pub for like three hours and, and you know, just fret over which one of those I should use now. <laughs> Welcome to my freaking 60-hour work week. <laughs> which one do I want? <laughs> Jesus. In uh, fact, it's not this past episode, but the um, the two that preceded that, there were two instances where I would say something and then I said the exact same thing afterwards. And normally I'm very good at editing those out, but, you know, every single person who watched the video, you know about it. Did someone die? No. <laughs> you all right, Roland? Yeah, yeah. I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm good. Okay, uh, let's. I'm going to take a quick break here. I'm going to I'm going to stop the recording and switch to a second track because I find if my tracks get much over and length, they start bogging some stuff down. So, yeah, sure. 
I know that I love the works out. But the faces that the, the you've given the dwarves, the uh, the the personas and the, their expressions, and I, I was trying to think of what the, what's the name of the I guess she's the baroness of your fortress, the one that just you kicked out of the uh, the temple so that she'd stop praying for a year. Mm-hmm. Atir, of course. Atir, yeah. <laughs> she is so cute. <laughs> little, little, she's pretty cute. dwarf. Yeah, I'm curious to see where she goes. I mean, you can never tell. You know, she might end up doing something amazing, unlikely, or she could end up getting crushed by a tree. <laughs> so, yeah, you don't have, uh, and I want to get back to this here in a little bit because I want to talk about Moses and and the and the the lead up to uh, to Honey Stoker. It, it appears as though you don't know what's going to happen whenever you sit down and start recording a video, and. Uh, for example, a, a good one is you didn't appear to really expect Moses to die. No, <clears throat> no, I had no idea what, I mean, really when I'm playing, it's just a let's play. I just edit the crap out of it and add some pictures and music and all that stuff in. Um, so the reactions, you know, a lot of people think it's scripted or something like that. It's certainly not scripted, time to write a script at all. Um, but, you know, as I said earlier, I, do have many takes. I say things multiple times. I sit on my computer in silence for maybe five minutes before I say certain things. So it is kind of scripted in a way, I suppose. Every sentence by itself is scripted as I sit there. But it is all pretty much reactions to what's going on. I mean, you can't even script Wolf Fortress at all. No, certainly not. Lord, no. But that's that's when the game really shines honestly is kind of just going with the flow does that also include and and you know we can cut this part out if, if you don't want to reveal this yeah um but so leading up to honey stoker whenever mm-hmm. whenever moses's plot was being revealed and i'm not going to reveal it too much mm-hmm. um but there was an event that happened just before the plot twist and it was uh whenever i believe it was whenever moses and his goblin buddy were on their way to, uh, maybe to maybe to the Honey Stoker Fortress itself. Mm-hmm. But there was a there was a encounter that they had, and it's where Moses realized something was not quite right about his companion. Do you, do you know what I'm speaking of? Yes. Okay. So that led, it seemed, in the plot, to the plot twist that made the entire Honey Stoker driving vampire fortress line possible mm-hmm. i got the, the entire lead up to honey stoker is just one big tangle of fluid events it's wonderful i love it i love thinking about it wow that's but awesome. um yeah the event which you're speaking of if i am thinking of the right one was i'm gonna in say the- it out loud here and i will cut this out because sure. it is a huge spoiler. I'm talking okay. about whenever the goblin, whenever, man, I can't remember Moses' companion's name. What was Ack. it? Ack. 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 Yeah. So whenever Ack was fighting the, the, uh, the goblin and Moses was trying to get him to not kill him and he went mm-hmm. ahead and just went off and killed the goblin anyway to protect himself, mm-hmm. as it turns out. That's what let Moses know that, that the guy was two-faced. Yes. Actually, his name is Snamaz, and he is a spy for the Torment of Witches, <laughs> which is, I, I that wasn't a surprise to me right then. I knew it actually from the instant I saw him. Um, so that was organic? Fairly. You know, like before, beforehand, I knew he was a spy, but like 
I had to, I wanted to, I actually, when I was playing, I wanted to keep that dude alive, but then Ak ran up and killed him like that. And I figured, okay, um, <laughs> how can I be pissed at him and make it a little story element? Well, he is a spy. Maybe I'll reveal it now. What I might end up doing is tagging this on to the end of the episode or maybe have it be bonus content or something like that, because I don't want it to be spoiled for anybody because that was, that was mind blowing. Whenever Moses shoved the, uh, shoved him, you know, realized and, and explained how he knew the, the, the truth. And then, you know, turned the uh, vampire. <clears throat> I mean, sure. But you also revealed that Moses dies. That's a good point. Uh, <laughs> maybe we should put a little, yeah, there will be spoiler stuff, warning yeah. before this episode or something. Uh, yeah, and I will also probably move that stuff to the end and say, you know what? If you have not actually watched Honey Stoker <laughs> from the start, and even the uh, the series that was the prelude to Honey Stoker, mm-hmm. uh, you just put a pin in this one and come back in a few months after you've watched and listen. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Um, I knew he was a spy from the instant I saw him. You could see in the pictures that I drew of him when I first encountered him in the buttery belly tavern <laughs> that he was wearing a helmet with the gray parrots of the torment of witches on it which he was in fact wearing so right when i saw that i was like wait a second that's kind of strange you know so i ducked out into legends mode and saw that he was a spy so i just kind of kept that back in the back of my mind the entire time i was dealing with ack in the actual play there That's going to wrap it up for this episode of Dwarf Fortress Roundtable. Again, join us for the next episode for part two of our roundtable with Krug Smash. Thanks again to Adam for taking time out of his hectic schedule to give us some insight into his great video content. You can find Adam at KrugSmash.com or on YouTube. The links will be in the show notes. And if you can, please stop by Bay12Games.com to donate a few coppers to Tarn and Zach Adams to show appreciation for the great game they generously dedicated their life to. <laughs> that may sound grandiose, but that's just the way it is. Music is Sky Q. Ellen, composed by Kevin McLeod. You can find Kevin McLeod's music work at Incompetech.com. Links are also in the show notes. This is a diorite podcast. All Craft Dwarf ship is of the highest quality. It is encrusted with oval diorite cabochons, studded with iron, decorated with llama wool and hemp, and encircled with bands of round diorite cabochons. This podcast is adorned with hanging rings of highwood and menaces with spikes of iron. On this podcast is an image of two onion plants in diorite. On this podcast is an image of waves in dog bones.